0: This is episode 57 of the Sugar Mamas podcast and the fifth installment of the 10-week series For parents of teens living with type 1 diabetes. Today, I'm talking with Jacqueline Lynch, host of the Teen 1D podcast. Jacqueline is a teen herself who has been living with type 1 diabetes since she was in third grade. Not only does she host and produce her own podcast, but she also finds time to play sports, have a social life, be a model student, and somehow she manages to still fill out and send off all of her college applications. I mean, you guys, uh, are you not super impressed? good gravy. As the host of a one-man team podcast myself, I know how much time and energy goes into finding and communicating with guests, editing and publishing a show each week, and keeping up with social media. It's a ton of fun, but it's a lot of work. So when I heard that there was a teen out there doing this, I was like, well, I need to talk to her. Her show is fabulous. She invites awesome guests onto the show, and she asks insightful and thought-provoking questions from the perspective of an older teen slash young adult who's getting ready to enter the college years. Seriously, what a great resource for T1D teens or really anyone living with type 1. All right, let's get started. You're listening to the Sugar Mamas podcast, a show designed for moms and caregivers of type 1 diabetics. Here you'll find a community of like-minded people who are striving daily to keep their kids safe happy, and healthy in the ever-changing world of type 1. I'm your host and fellow T1D mom, Katie Roseborough. Enjoy! Before we get started, I need you to know that nothing you hear on the Sugar Mamas podcast should be considered medical advice. Please be safe, be smart, and always consult your physician before making changes to the way you manage type 1 diabetes. Thanks.
1: Hi, my name is Jacqueline Lynch. I've had type 1 diabetes since I was 8 years old, and I'm now 17. I live in a small town in Illinois, about 90 miles south of Chicago. I participate in a number of activities at my school. And I have been a part of many JDRF events such as Children's Congress and attended galas in the past as well. I'm also the host of the T1D podcast, the only podcast right now out there for teenagers and young adults with type 1 diabetes. Yes,
0: that's awesome. And I I don't even remember how I found your podcast. I don't remember if it was on social media or maybe I was just doing a search in... um, you know, in like the podcast directories for what else was out there. But I saw it and I was like, oh, Teen One D podcast. What is this? And reading the details, I realized, oh, this is amazing. This is hosted by a teen for teens and young adults. So I definitely wanted to have you on, especially as part of the teen series that's getting ready to go go live. I just thought it would be great for parents of teen T1Ds to know that there's something out there specifically designed for teens that that they can listen to. I've listened to a few of your shows and I, I think they're awesome. We'll talk more about that, of of course. But tell us a little bit about your diagnosis story, what you remember from your diagnosis story, Jacqueline.
1: Now, when I was diagnosed before, they had taken me into the hospital. I'd been very dehydrated and I had all of the usual symptoms. I was losing a lot of weight very quickly and I could not get enough water. So I was taken in to the hospital and my doctor knew instantly type one. And so I started off with shot tool in the hospital. And then about a year later, I was put on the pump. And then when I started sixth grade, I started using the Dexcom. And that piece of technology is just fantastic.
0: Absolutely. Are you still on a pump or did you go back to MDI?
1: I am on a pump. I'm currently using the Omnipod and I am waiting for the artificial pancreas. Yep, you and me both.
0: Well, I am, we are also waiting uh, for that system as well. I'm very hopeful that it's going to come out early next year. So early 2022. So we'll
1: see. So I keep hoping.
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay, so you were diagnosed, you know, late, kind of late elementary school. Was it
1: fourth grade or fifth grade? It would have been as I was going into third grade. It was in the summer, so I did not have to take any time off school, which is very nice. Well, that is
0: exactly when my daughter was diagnosed. She was diagnosed the day before her third grade year of school. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, I often think about myself as a third grader or a rising third grader and what I really remember from that time. And honestly, it's not a whole lot. I remember a lot of third grade, but I don't remember a whole lot before third grade. So, you know, it'll just be interesting to see what my daughter remembers when she's older about that time in her life. It seems like you remember a good bit, though.
1: Part of this is I think that this is such a monumental event that happened in my life, and I've had to retell this story several times. And I think sounds just stay with me forever.
0: Yeah, that's true. I guess when you're retelling and reliving stories frequently, it it probably sticks a lot more. All right. Well, when did you have the idea to start the podcast?
1: So I had the idea to start the podcast in March of 2021. And I don't know when you'll be listening to this. It'll still be 2021 at this point. And I had been feeling as if I had not been doing enough for the diabetes community. So before this, I had been involved in events primarily with JDRF. I would attend walks, galas, and I... Had gone to Children's Congress in 2019, which was a fantastic experience. And I would recommend to anyone who is looking into applying for it. And I felt like I simply wasn't doing enough with advocacy. And so I thought that I had so many great resources at my disposal, just in terms of a support system of my family friends and the medical team that I work with at University of Chicago that I thought I should share these resources with other people.
0: That's amazing. I mean, I feel like you've done at 17, you've done more for advocacy than... Definitely than I've done, just with your involvement with JDRF and everything. So t- to feel like you wanted to do even more, I-, I think that's very impressive. You should be really proud of yourself. Can you- could you tell us a little bit about Children's Congress with JDRF? Because I've actually had some people from JDRF on the podcast before and they talked about it, but it was from the perspective of adults, actually adults that did not have type one and they were employees of JDRF. So from your perspective, what was that like?
1: I was 15 when I was going to DC for Children's Congress. So that would have been two years ago. It was a fantastic experience just all around. From the type one side of things, I was there to advocate for the special diabetes plan which is a bill that would continue the funding of type one diabetes research that has to be approved by Congress. And luckily for us, it was approved. So the funding is still ongoing. That's awesome. But it was also fantastic from a social side of things because I met so many wonderful people through there. And some of the people that have appeared on my podcast or will appear on my podcast in the future as well, Mm -hmm. as I'm hoping I'll get more people from Children's Congress to be part of it. All of the people that I met were just fantastic. And all from different areas of the U.S. and different experiences. But it was just great to meet other people with type 1 and just there are some people there that I just clicked with and it was great. How long were you there for? I was there in total from Sunday to Wednesday for the JDRF piece, but I did stay until Thursday night with my mom so we could go explore DC a little more. Yeah,
0: absolutely. my gosh. It's one of my favorite cities. I've been there three or four times and I'm ready to go back. It's great. So did you actually have to get up and present and speak in front of congressmen?
1: I met with three congresspeople. I met with all members of Illinois congresspeople. I met with Senator Dick Durbin, Senator Mm -hmm. Tammy Duckworth and Representative Adam Kinzinger, and they were all fantastic. And I did not meet with these people alone. I was one of four delegates from Illinois. There was a boy with me who was five, a girl that was 11, and then another girl who was uh, 16 at the time.
0: Oh, I love that they had the different age ranges all the way from five to 16.
1: Yes. And the girl that was 16, her name is Abby. And Abby was actually the guest of the first episode of the podcast. She is now currently a freshman at Yale, so it was great to have her on just to see what she was looking into and worried about before she's going to college and I hope to do an episode to see just what she did do and what her experience was like there.
0: Yeah. And to see if she's taken it any further, like is she interested in politics now or, you know, if she's still advocating for for type one and working with JDRF. I have not listened to that particular episode, but I'll have to go back and take a listen. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit more about the podcast. Do you have like a if you had to tell somebody what the goal of the show was or what kind of like what your mission statement is? How would you describe it to people? If
1: I can just reach one person and show them that type 1 diabetes is not the thing that is going to restrict them for life and that you can just be successful and do what you want to do, accomplish what you want to accomplish if you put your mind to it, that's all that matters to me.
0: Yeah. And I've, I, you know, I've- looked through your list of guests and I'm just so impressed. I've actually we actually have some crossover. There's a few guests that you've interviewed that I've interviewed and you know, the reason I started my podcast is because I I wanted to hear from the perspective of a mom, like you know, a caregiver of a type 1 diabetic and I wasn't hearing that, so I decided to start my own and I feel like having a podcast where teens can actually hear questions being asked by a teen and just hear the perspective on you know, life with diabetes in general from eighteen is just so, so invaluable because what's going through your brain at 17, I would imagine is probably totally different than what's going through my mind as a mom of three at 38 years old. So I just feel like there's always room at the table, you know, even if we interviewed like the exact same people all the way down, I feel like the perspective of from each show would be so different because you're thinking about it differently. I mean, do you agree?
1: Yes. So, for the majority of the guests that I host on the podcast, I try to just ask some of like questions that I think some people may be struggling with, and they might not even be diabetes related. So, for example, one of the questions that I tend to ask on someone who's maybe in the doctoral field or has already graduated from college and is now in the workforce is, how did they decide what they wanted to major in in college? Because there are just people out there who don't know. And I just think that's a great resource that you can use. Well, as you're saying, you may not take that angle and may not have thought about it, but Mm -hmm. as someone who's going through the college applications process myself, I always do think it's interesting to hear what my guests do have to say about it.
0: That is a very interesting question. Do you find that most people started off in college doing something and then ended up graduating doing something totally different?
1: Most of the people I've spoken to have had a clear path on knowing what they wanted to do and kind of stuck with that. But I have talked to some as well who haven't known and have been more open with not a straight path. So it is just interesting to hear.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know that I I switched my major many times when I was in college. I was in I was in business for a while, like business administration. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer for a little bit. I wanted to. I I was in interior design for a little bit. Let's see what else did I do? Marketing. I wanted to do marketing. I'm not even kidding. I switched this many times, and then I I actually landed. I graduated with a with a bachelor of arts in Spanish. Which is just crazy. But that's because I finally decided I knew that I wanted to go to physical therapy school. And to get into physical therapy school, you actually don't have to have any certain type of major. You you just have to meet, you know, take certain prerequisite classes. So I was like, well, if I don't have to have a certain type of major, then I'm just going to do what I really enjoy. And I really enjoyed learning Spanish. So... So that's what I did. And then I did, in fact, become a physical therapist. And now I'm a podcaster on the side. So so for any teens listening out there, even if you have no clue what you want to do in college, don't worry about it because you're going to figure it out. And you might have to change your major a few times, but it's possible to do that. What are you interested in? What are you planning on studying when you go off to college?
1: So right now I'm planning on going into the business field myself.
0: Any particular bi- business to me is such a huge, there's such a huge umbrella. Like, is there any in, you know, particular facet of business that you're interested in? That's currently what I'm working on. I did define okay. now. I'm not exactly sure. Well, and I, but I do feel like business is at least a good place to start because you can kind of just get started. And then based on the classes you're taking, you can decide what you're really interested in. And it's one of those majors where like let's say you graduate with a marketing degree you can probably kind of easily convert into like a different part of the business world you know what i mean you that doesn't necessarily mean you would be stuck in marketing for like the rest of your life. I feel like you could probably be a, chamele- a chameleon in the business world for the for the most part, but I could be wrong. Let's see. Tell us. Oh, I wanted to know, did you did you have any experience with making a podcast before you started this?
1: No, this was actually my first attempt at ever doing anything podcast related. So, I mean, I had so little experience that I was Googling, "How do you make a podcast?" And so I watched several videos from Buzzsprout, which is the current service I'm using to publish the podcast. I had to learn about all of their software, had to learn about sending links to everyone. And it was just a whole series of trial and error. And it still continues to be. But one of the things that I think has been the most surprising is how willing people are to say yes. To being a guest on this podcast. And I know that even in the beginning, I thought this was shocking. So, for example, I asked Sean Busby, who's a professional snowboarder. Mm-hmm. I did not have anything posted, nothing was up. It was just still a concept when I'd ask him. And he was totally okay with being on it and he was glad to participate. And I was just shocked because I had nothing to show, there was nothing out. and. Here he was agreeing to it.
0: Yep, I totally agree. Somebody recently asked me that question and I said pretty much the same thing. I'm like, I'm just shocked that people said yes to talking to me when I had absolutely nothing to show for it cuz when you're first starting out, you you really have nothing. So, big thanks to all those people that said yes. It's I've only actually only had one person tell me no. Actually two, two. But both of them just didn't feel comfortable like I think they were kind of shy, and they didn't feel comfortable just being recorded. I suppose. Good for you. It's amazing what YouTube can teach us how to do these days. For instance, truly, st- really, and truly, <laughs> my my husband has been done many DIY projects around the home thanks to YouTube, and I figured out myself how to produce a podcast thanks to uh, YouTube too. Tell the listeners, just if you don't mind, just life. As a teen with type 1 diabetes, you kind of started in like later adolescent, or you were diagnosed like later in elementary school and you've kind of kind of grown up with it, grown into it. So, you know, just being a teen and managing diabetes, I guess, broad view, what has it been like for you? Hey there, it's Katie, interrupting for just a quick second to tell you two things. First, I want to give a huge thank you to our most recent Buy Me A Coffee supporter, Christy. Christy, thank you so much. You're awesome, and I truly appreciate your support. Every cent donated through Buy Me A Coffee goes to the equipment and software programs needed to record, edit, and publish this show each week. If the podcast has encouraged you too, would you consider checking it out? Head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash sugar mama for more details or check out the link in the show notes. Second, I want to tell you guys about the product feature of the week, lunchbox notes. Now there are a ton of different lunchbox notes out there, but today I'm featuring the ones with jokes on them. It's a set of 70 lunchbox notes, each with a different joke. That's right. There are no duplicates. Now you may be asking, why am I featuring lunchbox notes? This is a podcast for parents of type 1 diabetics. Listen, not only are they fun and a simple way, to bring a smile to your kid's face in the middle of the school day. But it's also a great place to write down their itemized carb list for their lunchtime bolus calculations. There's a joke on one side and then there's the answer with some space to write down carb counts on the other. They're adorable. Check out the link in the show notes if you want to grab some for your type one warrior. All right, let's get back to the show. So, you know, just being a teen and managing diabetes, I guess, broad
1: view, what has it been like for you? Okay. So, in a broad view, I guess everyone. I live in a small town. Here, kind of knows that I have type one. So, I've never been one of those people that's hidden it, and that would be even stranger if I had hidden it and started a podcast. But all of pretty much everyone here knows I have it. So, most of my friends do know what to do, and I take very good care of myself. So, I mean. Usually the only times I do truly have to worry is during the night, but most of my friends do know what to do if like anything goes wrong. And I'll just explain something. You'll be like, hey, I'm just going to stop right here. I'm low and just let me get a caprice on and I'll be good. But one of the things that does make type 1 diabetes more difficult is I'm a very active person. I play basketball and I run track. Mm-hmm. And when I'm not playing a sport in school, I do just to run on the side as well. And so that makes it difficult to keep my number in range all the time because both of those things are high intensity. And so it's really a lot of like learning where to put temp basils, when to have carbs beforehand. And it's all just a process that never exactly works the way you think it's going to.
0: That's good to hear that even then, you're, you know, you who are very active and have probably been doing that for a while are. St- are still playing around with settings to try to get it right and, and that you've just kind of come to realize that some days are going to be great and you're going to nail it and some days aren't. I'm just curious, like what do you see for the most part on like a competition day, like when you're actually competing, when you're in a basketball game, not just practice, but like when you're competing, do you see, I've heard people say that adrenaline when you're in a game will spike you and then others say it'll drop you. And I know everybody's different, but what do you see when it comes to sports?
1: Personally? For adrenaline, I've never really noticed anything, but one of the things that I have noticed that severely affects my blood sugar is definitely stress. Mm. So I'm coming out of finals week right now where I had to turn in several projects through several different classes, Mm -hmm. and that was very stressful, and it was much more difficult to Deal with my numbers and that time period, and I should mention it is not just finals as well. I am currently in the process of sending out the final college applications as well, so it's just been a lot, and stress definitely does have an impact mm. on my blood sugar.
0: Mm, mm. Yes, I I can imagine that's. Not, I remember those days, and that was very stressful. So sports, you talked about your friends, kind of all know, and they're willing to help. I think it's great that you've never really tried to hide it. I feel like that would just be so. Exhausting. If you were, tr- if people were trying to hide it, I don't know what it wouldn't end well. I feel like you, you just eventually give up. But what about driving? How has that been? What kind of experience has that been like for you, just with driving and diabetes?
1: So personally, I do have a car, and I'm very lucky to have one. Mm-hmm. And I keep about a box of Capri Sun, maybe more in the back of my car the whole time. If I am low, which I consider under 80, I do not get behind the wheel. So there have been times where I have sat in the school parking lot after school or practice, Mm -hmm. just to wait until my number goes up. But most of the time, my number is not an issue when I'm driving, so that's great. But I don't usually have a problem with going long distances. The car Mm -hmm. and my number interfering, so I think it's pretty great. That is
0: that's wonderful. I do you remember your parents kind of stressing on it a lot about you know just being extra careful with driving? I mean, was that a big deal when you were learning to drive? Like you must check your number before you drive, and to wait until it comes up before you start driving.
1: Yes, that was a big deal. Just, but I think it's been nailed into my head so many times before. of Like, make sure that you take care of the low. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the driving was super intense, but it was definitely there, and it is definitely a focus that I check. The index come out before and behind the wheel.
0: I agree. I know. I just had a lady on that I was interviewing about driving specifically. So, well, that'll be a great episode for parents of of type one teens. I speaking of parents, like, do you remember at what point in time kind of the torch was passed from them doing a lot of the management for diabetes, and then now you are doing a lot of the most of the management for diabetes? Do you remember around what time that was?
1: I don't really know this. I really wish I had a good answer for this, but I don't.
0: That's okay. I mean, you don't have to obviously there. I wasn't expecting you to say like an exact day and time, but do you remember them doing some of the management for you, I guess? Is what I'm saying. Like at some point there was probably a transition.
1: I mean, I know they did definitely when I was younger, but I mm-hmm. think more middle school afterwards, I was definitely taking care of it by myself.
0: During the day, most of the time. Yeah, that would make sense. I feel like that's probably a huge transition time for most most people. Definitely. This is a kind of a random question, and I'm sure everybody's answer would be different. But as somebody who was diagnosed as a younger kid and then came into the teenage years with diabetes, do you feel like there was an ad- advantage to that versus being diagnosed as a teen?
1: Yes, certainly. I feel as if I had been diagnosed at an older age. I would definitely remember back more when I didn't have type 1, and I would probably struggle with that more. And I just imagine what a stressful situation that it could have been for me if I were diagnosed in later years. And I had to deal with the stress of going off to college and learning how to deal with this new disease that I'm now having to deal with on a daily basis.
0: And I'm sure there's, if you asked 100 teens with T1D that same question, you'd probably get a million different answers. But I was just curious to know what your point of view was considering you were diagnosed before the teenage years. Well, do you have any words of encouragement for teens that might be listening or maybe parents of teens that might be listening just in general?
1: Yes. Do not let type 1 be the thing that holds you back. It only does as much as you truly believe it does. So if you have something that you truly want to accomplish, and it can be anything. I've interviewed someone that's type 1 diabetic pilot. You can certainly accomplish it. Do not let this be the thing that stops you.
0: That's great advice. That's great advice. I so yep. th- speaking of the guests that you've interviewed, just kind of tell people so the listeners know what to expect like what kind of guests have you interviewed Kind of run through a it doesn't have to be every single episode because I know you have a, quite a few up yes. at the moment. but what are some of the guests you've talked to?
1: I'll start it off with these people because I have into them earlier in this episode. Yeah I've had several guests on there. I think I've had three that I have met through Children's Congress through JDRF. I've had um, a friend my age that I went to diabetes camp with, which was a great experience. Mm -hmm. I have certainly had on um, a number of doctors and diabetes educators as well as professional athletes who have type 1 as well. And I have had on People with type one who are currently researching in the medical field as well, too. So I found that all very interesting.
0: Yeah, a little bit of everything, multiple age age groups and, and professions. And I think it's amazing. Great job. So what are your goals? What are kind of your goals for the future or plans for the future with your show?
1: I'm looking forward to speaking with more people with interesting stories. i have spoken with people from pretty much every part of the U.S., as far as someone who is living remotely off the grid in Alaska, that's so and cool. I'm hoping to speak to more people with interesting stories, and hoping that I just continue to grow the podcast. Well.
0: Those are great goals. I know I, I love hearing people's stories. It's just so, it's just so fun how different everybody is and how they've kind of handled it handle diabetes different, manage it differently, cope with it differently. It's just such a fascinating word out there. And I love to hear other people's perspectives. I, you know, every now and then on the show, I'll say, if you're interested in being a guest on the show, you know, email me, let me know if you have type one or a kid with type one, then I truly believe you have a story to tell. Cause you know, everybody just has such a different perspective on things, opinions on things. And I feel like you can, listeners can really learn a lot from just hearing somebody's different perspective on on life with type 1.
1: Yes, you really can. Absolutely. Well,
0: Jacqueline, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm I'm definitely going to keep up with what's going on in your show and, you know, like I said, I've listened to a few and you really you really really do a great job. I I feel like you're just you're very poised, you ask great great questions and I've really enjoyed it. So, like I said, for all the parents out there of T1D Teens, definitely point them in the direction of Jacqueline's show, which again is called Teen 1D Podcast. And Jacqueline, to close us out, where can people find find you? What social medias are you on?
1: So the Teen 1D Podcast can be found on Instagram, Facebook, and all of our episodes can be found on YouTube as well with video as well as audio. Oh, that's,
0: that's amazing. That's impressive. Every, all of my guests are like, are you going to be recording the video? And I'm like, no. They're like, okay, good. Then I'm going to show up in my pajamas. I'm like, perfect. So am I. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I will leave a link in the show notes to everything you just mentioned, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and you just let me know if there's anything else you want me to link to. I can certainly do that.
1: Thank you. And I do want to ask if you'd like to be a guest on my podcast as well. Sure. I, yeah. Very. Anytime.
0: You let me know. We can set that up. That'd be great. All right. The tables will have turned. You can be the one asking me the question.
1: Yes, they certainly will have turned. <laughs> oh Gosh, now I'm a little nervous. <laughs> oh, no, do not be. <laughs> All
0: right, Jacqueline, thank you so much. I know you have a basketball practice to get to, so I'll let you go. But have a great break from school because Jacqueline and I are, are uh, recording this over over the holiday break. And happy holidays. Happy New Year.
1: Thank you. You
0: too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. That's it for our show today. Definitely go take a second to check out Jacqueline's podcast, the Teen 1D Podcast. That's Teen, T-E-E-N, the number one, the letter D, and then podcast. I will leave a link in the show notes where you can find her on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You guys have a most fabulous week. Stay calm and bowl us on. Bye.